This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. to the Dogish Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to dog parents and all the topics, events, personalities that are impacting their lives today. My name is Jason Arias, co-founder of Forever USA Photography, and with me is the lovely Sylvia Wes, uh, founder of Dog Up in This Bitch Dog Training. How are you today? You know, Jason, I'm just chilling. That's for real. It's that's the it's a chill day. We it's a, it today's, is today's in the afternoon instead of the morning like the other. Yeah. So yeah. And I had a bunch of coffee, so I'm a little jacked, but not too jacked. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I saw you drinking your Starbucks a little bit. Mm. And so today we're going to be uh, talking with Miss Kristen Morrison, who is a almost a six time author um, and owns, um, a, an entire academy dedicated to training dog businesses and pet businesses and really focusing. Like one of the things that I thought was fascinating when we spoke with her just a little bit was how much self-care was involved in this too. And we really spend some time on that. So that was really, really cool. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Did that one look different this time, Sylvia? Did it do the... I didn't check. Oh. <laughs> I just hit continue. <laughs> I just consent. You know, I'm one of those people. <laughs> oh, I'm going to send you a contract. <laughs> it's funny because my husband's a lawyer and he, uh, he definitely likes to review the contracts. <laughs> yeah. I'm one of those people who are just like, I just hit agree. <laughs> yeah, I know it's easier. So many uh, words. I mean, jumping straight into the business conversation, what an asset that is to have in your oh. world. Like the number of times that I've wished that somebody could just kind of help me make sure that I'm wording I things know. properly. Like exactly. Is, well, is you that know, where you kind of got started with all of this or like, well, how'd you get started into pet business? Well, yeah. And first I'll, I'll actually start with my husband. So I met him three months before I sold my business and he noticed the contract that the business broker sent me and said, and we were just dating at the time, you know, and he said, I really want to help you with this. I, I don't think you're going to be happy with this contract. I want to help. And I was very resistant to it because we were just starting to date. And it's like, I don't want you to be, you know, mixing business with pleasure, you know, all that. But, but he was very helpful and he has been very helpful in my business. And I'm grateful for that. So, yeah, I started my business in 1995, and before I started, I I'd always loved animals, as a lot of people who are now inter- into the pet care industry or people that are interested, you know, have had a deep love for animals. That That's me as well, ever since I was just as far back as I can remember, I just absolutely love animals. And knew at some point I would want to work with them. And I couldn't, I, sorry about that noise. <laughs> my speed, my uh, light fell. Um, I, you know, I couldn't 
figure out what I wanted to do. I thought I wanted to be a vet. I worked at a vet hospital. Um, I was assisting in surgery just as an assistant. I wasn't a vet tech or anything. And I fainted when I saw blood. And Uh, that would be me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So that really dashed the dream of like, oh, I'm going to be a veterinarian. It was like, nope, that's not going to happen. And so I just dabbled in things, exploring different opportunities and wasn't finding it. And then one day I saw a woman, I didn't even know that dog walking was a thing, that it was actually something that you could do sure. as a profession or yeah. even work for somebody that had a business. Um, again, this is in the you know, mid nineties. And there was a woman walking a dog and she had a dog walking. Clearly it was a dog walking company t-shirt on. And I stopped her and I said, do you have a dog walking business? She said, I do. Do you want to work for me? And it was one of those moments, like even every time I tell this story, you guys, I get chills because it was one of those, like, absolutely one of those moments that things shifted and I didn't Mm. know it at the time, but Mm. looking back, I can see, and the way that I just said yes, so effortlessly, it was so such a, it was such a yes for me. And so I ended up interviewing with her and began working for her as a dog walker. And three months later, I realized this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I absolutely love this, getting paid to walk dogs, exercise, be with animals. It was such a dream come true. And So I started my business and that was in 1995. But the thing is, I'd never owned a business before. I was in my Mm -hmm. mid twenties. I had always worked for others, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. never really known if I even had that motivation that is required as a business owner. And it was a really big growth opportunity for me in the beginning. I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing, number one. I didn't really know how to motivate myself um, to be self-employed, to work from home, you know, the office work from home. And then, of course, caring for the animals in their home and, and walking them. And it was just a huge opportunity to learn about business, which is something I was super resistant too, because I always pictured business people as like really stuffy and boring and very straight laced and like, you know, you have to be suits and ties and, yeah, and just board I, meetings. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely changed, you know, this many years later, but, but that really was what it was like as a business owner, <laughs> you know, in the nineties, at least what I witnessed and it wasn't anything I was interested in, but what I was interested in was working with the animals. And so I thought if I can make this business into a creative venture, then I can run a business. Like I can wrap my brain around that. But if it's going to be this kind of nine to five or, you know, just regimented thing, I'm not interested. And so I really just through trial and error learned how to create a business in a way that was creative and that worked for me and my lifestyle. And because of that, you know, it's led to me being very passionate about that and assisting others in creating that for their, for themselves. Right. Okay. So you, um, you started out as a pet, like a dog walker and then did you do anything? else? <laughs> I <too>? love the, <laughs> I love the bark. That was, thank you. Dog. Thank you, Poe. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> That's, That's that. Yeah. It's a little exclamation mark. Mm-hmm, dog walker. 
Yep, that's right. That's Every hilarious. time you <laughs> thank you. Yes, his timing is apropos. If you don't know, I'm in the dog business. So that's, yes, that's I do. Evident. And, and obviously you've taught him English. Yes. Yes. Poe dog walker. Not only when you Didn't do work. it. Okay. I don't even right. know how he hears you through these headphones. I know. I don't know. That's great. Oh my gosh. So what, what, were was, you saying, what was your transition? Because I mean now you have five books. At yes. least that's what I saw, right? So you've got yes. five books and you've got an entire academy that is yeah. just dedicated to helping people launch this dream. But yeah. I mean, there had to have been a, a journey from oh, big the, time the dog walking to, to this. Yeah. So like I said, I started my business in 1995. And so at that time, you know, there was Pet Sitters International, which is an association. I got some of my information from there. But besides that, there really wasn't any learning opportunities. And so I really had to learn on my own. And I began to read books. That was my primary way to learn because I didn't want to get a business degree, but I did need to learn how mm -hmm. to run a business. It was not a want, but a need in order to be successful. And so I basically enrolled myself in my own business school. You know, I'd run my business during the day. And then at night, I would read my books and you know, take notes. And that was my business academy. And through that, I began to increase my business. And I ended up hiring people. Um, and that was a real learning curve. I had never hired anybody before. I'd always had bosses, but never been a boss to that point. And so that was a really big experience for me that I had to really learn. So it sounds like was, was, so a lot of this was self-taught. So like from it the was. beginning, just mm. kind of jumping in and, and getting your feet wet and, and kind it of figuring out from there. Yeah, it was. And also seeing what works. So some things in the books didn't work for this type of business. You know, it was like throwing pasta at the wall, like some sticks, some doesn't, you know, sure. what stuck for me was something that I would continue doing. If it didn't work, then I wouldn't, I would usually try it a couple of times just to make sure, but yeah, so it really was like what works for me and what doesn't. And then, you know, well, being really intentional about that. Let's kind of maybe talk about that for a quick minute. We're going to take a quick break. And then I would love to come back and like maybe just a couple tips of like, I'm thinking about getting started. What are, what are three things that stuck out of the spaghetti mm -hmm. for you uh, mm -hmm. that you would go back to if you had to start again? So let's take a quick break and we'll come back to that. Sound good? Yep. Sounds great. Awesome. Okay, so we're sitting here uh, talking with Kristen and learning all about uh, her transition from being a dog walker into uh, five books and an entire academy helping people launch their pet businesses. And we were just uh, learning um, her beginning stages of making that transition. And Kristen, you were saying that it was really kind of a self-taught thing and that you would just, you would kind of put something out there to see what worked and give it a few tries. Mm -hmm. Can you remember like even one or two things, one thing that you yeah. were, like that really made that jump for you? So one of the things was really determining, like starting at the beginning, really determining what services to offer. So it wasn't just mm. what do my clients need, but what do I enjoy? You know, 
I didn't have staff members at that point. So I was doing it and I knew that I wanted to do things that I enjoyed. So what I enjoyed was I enjoyed dog walking. I enjoyed pet sitting. Um, I love taking care of bigger animals like horses and goats and pigs, things like that, livestock. Where were you living uh, there were, at the time? Okay, was, where were you living? Yeah. So there weren't a lot of those bigger animals that I was taking care of, but I was living in Marin County at the time. And that's where I started my business and had it. And then I later expanded to Sonoma County. Okay. So I ended up covering about 40 towns um, when wow. I sold my business. Yeah. I mean, not me, but, you know, my staff and then two, two very large counties. But it started in one little town called Tiburon, which is... Um, some people may know it. It's a very beautiful town, which is where I lived at the time. It means shark in Spanish. Right, yeah. um, and it's it's very affluent. I wasn't affluent at the time, but it was a very affluent area, which was very great for me to yes. start because a lot of people didn't uh, even know in other areas in Marin County, they didn't know that pet sitting and dog walking was the thing. It was an actual Thing that you could you know they would get their neighbors whereas in tiburon people did know about it they were used to traveling they were used to hiring people to walk their dogs so it was a really good place for me to start because it wasn't a well-known business at the time but in that particular town it was so what i what i discovered was really needing to determine what my services would be which were not only services that I enjoyed, but services that my clients needed. So that was the mm. very first thing. The second thing was naming my business. So I initially, I didn't realize how important a business name was. And I had initially my first name in my business name, which when I'm coaching pet business owners, I really discourage against that when they're first starting. I mean, if they've been in business for years and they don't want to expand, then it's clear that's fine. But what happened for me is what happens for a lot of people. They start small and then they realize, wow, I really want to grow this thing or the business wants to grow. You know, sometimes we have to listen to what the business wants and follow that lead, the lead of our business speaking to us. And so that was what happened for me. I I misnamed my business Mm. and a year later I had to change the name and that was harder than you would imagine. You know, I had to let my clients know up until that time I had, you know, done a lot of branding marketing. So I had to rebrand, which is expensive for a, Mm. you know, year old business owner. Um, So that's something that I would really encourage people interested in starting any kind of pet business to really deeply consider, not just, you know, the short-term goal of like, I want to start, but the possibility that you may want to grow extraordinarily big. Like I wasn't anticipating that my business would grow. So what did you end up settling on? So um, my initial name was Kristen's Daycare for Dogs. And there wasn't daycare for dogs at that time. I mean, it was kind of ahead of its time in a way, right? You had a vision, girl. I did. But I didn't (laughs) want like, I didn't want to do a nursery for dogs (laughs) the way it is now. (laughs) What I wanted was like, I want to take care of dogs during the day. Like that was my thing. And so then I realized people would call and say, oh, can I drop my dog off? And I'd be Mm. like, no, this business isn't that. It's 
me coming to you. So it was confusing. And that's when you know you haven't picked the right name when people are really confused (laughs) and asking you what you what your name means, you know, and what you do. So what I realized about a year into owning my business is that I did need to change the name. And I had settled on a couple different names, but I just couldn't determine which one was right. I asked a bunch of people friends and family, and they were kind of split down the middle. And so I couldn't really do anything until I chose the right name. And so I did something that a friend of mine at the time, um, she was, she's a dream researcher. And she said, Kristen, you know, whenever I'm having difficulty making a decision, I incubate a dream. And what that looks like is I put a question out before I go to bed Okay. Like, what do I do? And you spell it out like very simply and distinctly and write it down too. And so my question was, what do I name my business? Mm-hmm. And I would say it before I went to bed. And it took about three weeks until I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw my car it was a Honda it like a Honda Civic. It was a really funky car, you know, but I'd round up the dogs and put them in this sedan, yes. basically, you know. That was and, my first dog walking oh, car, too. Yeah. I was in a sedan. <laughs> it's so comfy, though. I love Listen. driving. It's really fun. Yeah, but it stunk to high heaven. Anyway, so <laughs> after a while, the dog ate the back seat. It was not pretty. Yeah, but the Toyota Avalon. So, yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> But, you know, what I saw in my dream was so clear. It was the na- one of the names. The, the, one of the names was Woof Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Service. And I saw Amazing. it on a magnet on my car. And I saw all these happy pet owners. Some were holding fish bowls. You know, <laughs> some were that. holding horses and dogs and cats and all kinds of animals. And when I woke up, I just went, that's it. That's the name. And I went to City Hall and I... I got that name that day. I just didn't waste any time. And I ended up getting the trademark for it too, which is absolutely crucial. Mm. You know, for those listening who have a business name that is really near and dear to their heart, I would say definitely trademark it. And, you know, I initially trademarked mine through the United States Patent and Trademark Office um, and it got rejected. And so I hired a trademark attorney to see if that would help. And it did. He actually was able to push it through. I hadn't done it quite correctly, which is Mm. what a lot of people do when they're trying to trademark. So if your name has gotten rejected because you've done it, you know, done the application process, I would recommend spending some extra money and hiring a trademark and patent attorney to help you. And, you know, some of the low cost ways that you can find one is to Google or search online for low cost legal aid. Um, That's a good way to do it. You can also contact your nearest score. If you're in the U S service Corps of retired executives, Hmm. Um, they sometimes have retired uh, attorneys on staff that will help you and they're volunteers. So that can be a great way to get free legal advice. Jason, um, I'm feeling a, I'm feeling a trademark in our future. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend I'm it. Here like, like, I'm all, uh-huh. I'm all, so, where's my in. notebook? Where's my notebook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but so, you know what? This is, this is so wonderful. And, and I definitely like having come from like pet sitting myself and, you know, when I got started in 
2012, it was still a relatively new business. You know, mm-hmm. people were like, you're I remember telling my parents and they were like, you do what for a living now? Where? Who? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, exactly. but living in Los Angeles, having the affluent community definitely was a big help. But I think mm-hmm. knowing that you're on the business and coaching sitters and coaching these people, what I would want to share with pet owners out there is what should they look for in a pet sitting business when they're Mm -hmm. out there hiring? What tells them like this business is reputable. These people are trustworthy. I can let Mm -hmm. this person into my home. There's a lot of different options out there now. And, um, and not a lot of, like you were saying, there's not a lot of education for pet sitters. Like anyone can do it. So that's right. As a, as a pet owner myself, like how would I go about finding a great dog walker, a great pet sitter? So a lot of people will think about WAG or Rover as like the quick, easy option. It's an app they can go on. But the thing is, a lot of people, I'm not saying all of them because I know it's not true, but but a lot a lot of them are fly by night. You know, they're doing it part time. They're probably going to be out of the business in a year. They're not even in a business. They probably don't have a business license, a lot of them. So what I would recommend is really finding somebody within your community that has an actual business. And, you know, not only is that, it's supporting a local business owner as well, which is really important, especially these days, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're all really conscious of supporting our community. And so that's a way to do it. Um, What you want to look for besides finding somebody who actually has a reputable business is to make sure that they are licensed. So they have a business license. It doesn't mean that they're licensed as a pet sitter or dog walker, dog trainer. I mean, that's important too. You could, you know, in a lot of the professions that are pet related, you can find licenses for those, but really you're looking for somebody that has a business license that is insured and bonded. Bonded is basically theft insurance. And even if they're self-employed, if it's just them, it's still important. You know, it's important to know that you're being covered, you know, if something should go missing. Um, The other thing you want to, I really recommend that you do check references. I would recommend not just going with the review sites that they may Mm. send, but actually, you know, seeing if they'd be willing to give you a couple client names and numbers of people in your actual area and talking to them and saying, you know, what was your experience with them like? Like, was there anything you wish that they had done? or not done, you know? Um, And if they're good, likely those are gonna be really great phone calls. No, not necessarily, but usually. (laughs) It's hard to please everybody. I know it is. Um, The other thing is, you know, and this is so important in life and in business, is listening to our gut. So somebody may Mm. look great on paper and, or on the computer, and I, you know, went through this a number of times when I was hiring pet sitters and dog walkers to work for my company, I hired over 250 dog walkers and pet sitters in the course wow. of the 18 years that I had my business. When I sold it, I had 35 um, dog walkers and pet sitters. But as a result of that, you know, having that experience of hiring so many people, I really learned to listen to my gut. Mm. It was not about, I mean, you know, the application was very important. The references were important, but ultimately, you know, would I want to leave 
my animals in the care of this person, my home in the care of this person? You know, how do I feel in their presence? Are they able to look me in the eye or are they kind of shifty? You know, these are yeah. all things that are really important to take note of. And, you know, we often discount our initial impression. But, you know, if you've read the book by Malcolm Gladwell, The Tipping Point, it's about how we make decisions in the blink of an eye. And, you know, a lot of us don't listen to that. And we need to, when, especially when it comes to hiring somebody to work in our business or to care for our pets and right. be in our home. Well, I think you could reverse engineer all that same advice for being the pet sitter. Like when you're going Absolutely. to somebody's home. You're right. Like That's right. Take the, take the same advice and, and kind of flip it. That's a really good point, Jason. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, the power of saying no. Oh, it's, that, uh, it's yeah. huge. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I'm in the middle of, um, I have a 30-day pet business challenge that I'm leading right now. And, and I did a Facebook Live for that group today and uh, was talking about the power of no and how hard it is so hard to say no when you're first starting it gets easier the more you mm -hmm. do it it's like working a muscle at the gym but you know what i've discovered and i was sharing this this morning in the facebook live is you know business has been my greatest teacher in my life uh, it has brought me some of my greatest joy and it's brought me some of my greatest pain you know mm -hmm. <laughs> when things haven't worked and it's been such an amazing teacher. It's taught me how to say no. It's taught me how to set boundaries. Self-advocate. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, how to take care of myself. You know, I could work 24-7, but that doesn't serve me. It doesn't serve my clients. So, you know, I just think having the business be a teacher and really looking at it as a vehicle to teach us how to be better humans you know, um, better business owners. It's well, a real opportunity. So with that in mind, why don't we take a quick break and then come back to that yes, no idea a little bit more and, and try and define when it's a good fit for somebody to jump into the pet business and when it might not be a good fit. Alrighty, so quick break. So we were just talking about uh, almost like a yes, no mentality or strategy or something like whatever you want to wrap our uh, your word gut, your yeah, instinct. Yeah, yeah, our gut. Um, and I, I, like Sylvia and I both get that like entrepreneurial drive. We had a conversation mm -hmm. about it the other day and it's, it's like yes. we're driven to want to be a part of that. Even if we weren't in the dog community, like we've just taken two passions and put them together. Mm hmm working with your clients and people that are um, getting started in this, like, how do you advise people that not to ruin a passion? Like, yeah, like I've seen it happen with question. photography a lot yep. where like, oh, I just love pictures so much. And then two years from now, they're like, I hate my camera. I don't yeah. like people like, mm. and I can see the same thing in the animal community. Yeah. Burnout. Yeah. Yeah. Where, big where it's time. like, okay, this wasn't really the right decision. Maybe, maybe we should have shifted things differently. Like, do, like, how do you help people figure that out? Yeah, so that is a huge pain point. 
in the industry. And I just, I love that you brought that up because it's so crucial. And a lot of people go in not even thinking about that. They love it just like I loved it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I suffered from burnout as well. And so some things that I've done in my own business and what I've helped my coaching clients do too is to really look at, I mean, you know, self-care, everybody talks about self-care and I actually don't love that word. Mm. I don't think it's, you know, I think it's overused, you know, it's watered down, it's diluted. So my word these days is self-love. Like instead of self-care, mm. self-love, like what are you doing today to love yourself? And Oh, I love that. He talks about, well, I love you. I love you, you know, but love is a verb. So mm-hmm. it's not only like, you know, loving others as a verb, but it's loving yourself as a verb. Like, how are you actually tangibly demonstrating that to yourself? And what are you doing to give yourself the peace that you need in the midst of this challenging world right now that we're in, especially, but not only that, when business is in full swing. And so it's different for everyone. So I'll just tell you, you know, what my ways to really give myself that peace are. So for me, it really is simple pleasures. And I think the simple pleasures can be the most easy to integrate into life because, you know, they don't take a long time, but yet the impact of them can be substantial. So, you know, mine are anything like warm water. I love, I love taking baths. I love drinking tea, you know, that's kind of my thing. Um, But exercise is super important. Now, those who are pet sitting and dog walking may be already getting a lot of exercise, but if you're not, Like I went from dog walking to actually just running my business. Mm. I had to get the exercise in because that was really affecting my mood. It was affecting my body. You know, I went from walking all the time to not walking and being eight hours, eight hours of cardio a day to zero. Exactly. (laughs) That will impact the body, mind and spirit. And it's really important. And, you know, they've done studies on exercise and how, impactful it is in the morning, like people are much more likely to actually do it if they do it first thing in the morning. So, you know, my cutoff time for myself to do exercise was noon. Like I had to do it before noon. Mm. If I did it, you know, I was unlikely to do it afternoon. There was something about that. Mm -hmm. And the earlier, the better, you know, so really looking at, you know, the basics, sleep, Like, and are you on your phone right before you go to bed? Because that's going to impact your sleep in a big, big way. You know, I was um, listening to a podcast. I love the podcast Crime Junkie. I don't know if you've heard about it. Sounds awesome. (laughs) It sounds great. It's good, but it's really dramatic, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was listening to it before bed the other night, and I had a dream about, like, it was a really, it was a nightmare, you know? Mm. Okay, I need in the news. Don't watch the news before bed, you know, all these things that are- Or ever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, so, you know, those are some things, but, you know, also really looking at your schedule at the beginning of the week. What are you doing that is going to replenish you? That's not Mm. just giving to others, If you don't put it in your calendar, it's probably not going to happen. So do it. 
you know, it's kind of like the Nike quote, just do it. It's like that for when we're giving ourselves what we need in order to replenish, restore, renew. Yeah, I feel like what a lot of people don't realize about the pet care industry and was something that I really discovered firsthand when I had my first burnout is that it is um, it is like it is a service industry. And more importantly, it is a caretaker role. That's right. So when you're going in, if you know, if this is something you're looking at as like a career because you really love animals, like be prepared, like you are changing your life and yep. you're now a caretaker. That's and right. So finding that moment to really caretake yourself yep. becomes extremely important. You know, um, mm-hmm. at least for me, I noticed when I first got started, I was so enthusiastic. I was so passionate. I was walking 17 dogs a day. I was doing mm-hmm. seven- as I could and I was like 22 and I had that energy and then like but I wasn't eating because I was in my car trying to get to 17 oh god yes so yes the burnout is very real and it really um, is I'm so glad you again I'm so glad you brought that up and you know I hear from a lot of pet sitters dog walkers dog trainers who are eating in their car mm. you know and they're eating a lot of fast food because they have to just eat like yeah. you know they get hangry and then they have to eat in the moment so what can they get quick you know mm. and so preparation is really i would say a really big facet of recovering from burnout and preventing it is looking at you know what can you do to take care of yourself ahead of time before you need it so preparing the food, you know, the night before having snacks in the car that you can grab that are healthy and quick, you know, Mm. um, looking, like I said, looking at your schedule and really looking at where are you in your schedule and you are going to be giving a lot to your clients. And, you know, one more thing about clients that I had to learn the hard way, which was, what I discovered was like 5% of my clients were really challenging to deal Mm with. And 95% were a piece of cake for the most part. And the 5% were really sapping like 95% of my energy. And so I had to like flip it and go, I don't want to do that. And my 95% Mm. of my clients are getting, you know, the leftovers, for me because I'm dealing with these really challenging clients. So I began getting really rigorous about letting them go. Mm. And, or what I would do is just, you know, charge them a lot (laughs) because they were really taking a lot of my energy and I would have to, this is a good in. This is a good insider tip. If your dog walker has suddenly started raising their rates, you may be a difficult client. You might be this 5%. (laughs) You might be a difficult client. We had the same thing. We we had gently breaking up with someone. The the conversation at the studio many times that Mm -hmm. one piece of bad news carried the same amount of weight of 20 pieces oh, of good news yeah. and and trying to to balance that uh, out is is really really difficult i, I don't think yeah. that we were prepared for the uh the emotional space uh, uh-huh. that, it would, that it would 
put into our worlds and take home and all that. I do understand that. It's kind of like a bad review. You know, one bad review can right. really, really shakes you. Yeah, it, it can. And especially pet business owners by nature tend to be sensitive. Mm. That is that a great talking. word. Yeah, yes. we're drawn to working with we just, animals. We're like, we're soft. <laughs> we're soft and, you know, yeah. we're open and vulnerable, yeah. you know, yeah. just like animals are. And so, it, you know, looking at what I what I did, and this was really helpful for me because I am also one of those sensitive people. Um, I created a feel-good file. So whenever a client sent me a note and it was an actual file and or a good email, like a really nice, Kristen, mm-hmm. you're so wonderful. I would print mm. it out, put it in my feel-good file. And, you know, then when I did get a bad review, because it happens if you've been in business yeah. long enough, you just, like you were saying, you can't please everyone. You just can't. It's impossible <laughs> when you're dealing with the public. You know, then I would get out my feel-good file and, like, it would help me self-soothe, you know, that part that was yeah. like, oh, God, they don't like me. You know, it's like, I'm fine. You know, they're lucky have me <laughs> yes no it's so true yeah i mean i'm over here taking more notes yeah, you know that and falls i think into that self-love right like, yeah to yeah, really you have to find ways of taking care of your your emotional state just as That's much as the right. physical, just as much as the exercising yeah. and getting out and yep. trying to eat better at the very least mm-hmm. make sure that you don't beat yourself up over every little it's mistake it's true just like, my... oh go ahead, ahead. Uh-huh. What I was going to say is, um, Sylvia, one of my one of my kind of secret weapons that I have used for the past, gosh, over twenty years now is something called Morning Pages, and it's uh, I found it through Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. So it's not mm-hmm. a business tool per se, but I found it to be really impactful in my business. It's basically every morning writing three pages in your journal and not editing, spell checking, just like writing and getting it out you know we hold so much especially as business owners and we're Mm. dealing with so much and it's like getting it from the head into the onto the paper can be really powerful and free up our energy in order to really show up fully for ourselves our you know relationships our our businesses and so that's something that i've made it a practice to do you know a lot and not every day anymore, but you know, mm. um, I do, I still do it quite a bit and I have a, like a shed full of journals, you know, for these 20 years. And, and not only is it a way to kind of do self therapy in a way, but it's also like, I got some great business ideas as a result of doing, mm. that. you know, my to-do list would sometimes come from that journal writing. And it's a really important, impactful way to start the day in addition to the exercise the eating well you know all of that that's it can be a good way to kind of deal with the to practice mental hygiene you know we all need to do that and one way is to kind of get it out from the brain I just have to say, I'm just like totally geeking out over here because literally this morning I was talking to my assistant and I was like, I wake up and I get in my car and as I'm driving to work, I just feel like I'm in this fog of information Mm -hmm. and I can't get away from it because I have like now that because I just recently this year became a business owner. I'd always been like a consummate. Mm -hmm. I was like the eternal independent contractor and now I'm 
I have three employees and like, it's crazy all of a sudden. Congratulations. Thank you. And so I'm just like, there's so much going on. So how serendipitous that you're like, some morning pages would be great. So uh-huh. Sylvia is taking quite a bit uh-huh. from this. Um, <laughs> on that note, I think it's time for a break. And uh, when we get back, I just kind of want to wrap around to the beginning where we were talking about self-advocating, the, the power of saying no. And I want to talk to you a little bit about firing clients. Oh, yes. So we'll get back to that after the break. And we're back with Kristen. And I wanted to kind of wrap everything up with this idea of you know, going into business for yourself, this is something that I had to learn even as an independent contractor, you know, is the idea of self-advocating and really being able to say like, this is good for me, this isn't good for me. So coming back around to that 5% of your clients who just, they're just not good for you, they're toxic and what it looks like to fire a client. And like, I know that this is very taboo business, but it's so real. And I think whatever business you're in, you should be able to fire your clients. So talk to me a little bit about how you feel about that and how you go about that. Well, I strongly recommend it if they're a pain in the butt (laughs) and they're causing you more pain than joy, you know, consistently. Mm. I mean, everyone's going to be challenging occasionally, but not everyone, but a lot of people. So it's, you know, are they impacting you in a negative way? A lot. Um, So first thing, gentle. You want to be gentle with these people when you're letting them go. I want you to think about a challenging client that you're about to fire like an egg. You wouldn't just drop the egg because it would get all over the floor, make a mess, stink after a while, right? Mm. So difficult clients and letting them go are like that. Often difficult clients, just like animal people are very sensitive, difficult Mm. clients can be, um, they can retaliate. (laughs) So you want to be very careful because of Mm. that. It doesn't mean that they won't. And a lot of people are uh, afraid to fire clients because they're afraid of that negative review. And I want to say, do it anyway. So, you know, I'm just kind of giving you an overview here. So when you go to let them go, first of all, what I would do is I would contact various um, pet professionals who could be a good referral for them. And you can ask, you know, tell them, like, be straight with them. This is a really difficult client. Here's how they're difficult. What's your difficult may not be somebody else's difficult. Mm, So so true. But you want them to know what they're getting into and not just like give the, give this difficult client <laughs> their names because yeah, you don't want to upset yeah. your fellow sitters. No, you don't. <laughs> it's not nice. So that's the first thing. Very, very important to, you know, and then once you've got like one or two who say, I'll do it, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to take care of them or, you know, I'm at least willing to talk to them, then contact the client and I recommend as uncomfortable as it is to do it over the phone rather than by email Mm. because email, the tone can be taken out of context. Absolutely. You know, I actually have a practice in my life, not just in business, but in life. Anytime there's a really difficult conversation, I need to have it in person or by phone. Yeah, I need to hear my tone. That's right. And we need to have a discussion about it. 
you know, mm. instead of email, because email can be very charged and, and challenging, you know, t- you want to just deal with them in real time, whether it's on the phone or in person. So that's the first thing you want to get them on the phone. So you're on the phone with them. And what I would recommend saying is the most gentle thing you can say is, you know, I realize that I'm not quite the right fit for you. Mm. So you're not saying you're not the right fit for me, which is going to trigger their rejection. Just Mm -hmm. like if you were breaking up with somebody and you are breaking up with a client. (laughs) It's not you. It's me. I know. (laughs) Exactly. It is you, (laughs) but it's not you, (laughs) but you know, I, yeah. So you want to say that and, and, and you want to jump into, I just want to like, I want you to get the best care possible in the Mm. way that'll fit your pet's needs in a way that'll fit your needs. And I, I can see that I'm not the right person to do that as much as I might like to, you know, you don't want to lie. So if that's a stretch, I would leave that part out. But then I would say, you know, I do have, I did, you know, check around and I did find someone who would love to talk to you. And I think she could be, or he could be a really good fit for you. Mm. And I'd love to give you their information. Mm. And I, I'm going to really miss your pets. Like often the difficult clients have really great pets. And wonderful pets. Yeah. Not always. <laughs> Sometimes it equates a difficult dog or cat, yeah. you know, yeah. but you know, often it's harder for us to let the pets go than it is difficult people. Right. Mm. And that can prevent us from actually doing it, but it's important, you know, and that pet ultimately will be happier with somebody who's happy to be doing it. Yeah. You know, if you're not happy to be doing it, pets feel that they're sensitive, just Absolutely. like you are. Yeah. If you're not happy there, you know, and that's going to just lead to that burnout. And for the client who might be listening to this and might be fearing that they are the difficult I client, yes. you know, I just always like to reiterate, it's like, just like you said, what's difficult for me might not be difficult for somebody else. And like someone else's capacity or personality, Mm -hmm. right? We're all unique individuals. I come from a family of 11. I have 10 brothers and sisters, but that doesn't mean I like to hang out with all 10 of my brothers and sisters. (laughs) You know what I mean? So in that sense too, Uh you know, I may have a hundred clients, but that doesn't mean I want to take all 100 clients out for lunch, Mm -hmm. you know, and the clients who I don't even want to be in the same room with, like they should have somebody like you should have somebody who wants to take you out to lunch. You deserve that in a Mm -hmm. sitter as much as your sitter deserves to feel happy and competent working with you, you know, so it's Mm -hmm. mutually beneficial. Um, So I would say like, try not to be offended, roll with it and know that ultimately Ultimately, it's going to be the best for both sides, mm-hmm. you know? Yes, it will. And not only both sides, but the pets too. The pets, yeah. 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 Which is everyone's priority in this situation. Totally. Let's be real. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I think the other good thing too is setting boundaries. Like I think mm-hmm. sometimes um, if they aren't our best friend, then we automatically put them down to like what's wrong instead of like yep. there's, mm-hmm. there's like this huge gray area of mm-hmm. average which you should really be targeting. Like, like mm-hmm. that's like Neutral. a bunch of average is awesome, right? Yeah. And occasionally the good. And, but um, like I've fallen into that trap before where it's like, if I don't want to be best friends with them, then something clearly must be wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not always the, the case. Like find some, find some rest in that. that it's that's like, right. Like mm. this is, this is easy. Like they're happy enough. I'm happy enough. Mm-hmm. We're not best friends. There's no extra obligations. 
that's a win. Yeah, it is. In fact, you know, for me in the beginning, when I started, I, I did kind of want to be friends with certain clients, but what I discovered is that gets messy, Mm -hmm. you know? And so as I matured being a business owner, you know, in my business ownership, I realized I don't want to be friends with my clients because I'm working a lot anyway. And that's another thing that can lead to burnout when you're with Mm -hmm. your clients, you know, on off time. So for me, it Mm. was really wanting to detach fully. And I, and I do have clients who have become my best friends and I quickly, you know, had them go to somebody else for pet care because smart. You know, for me, it was worth it to lose the client than the friend. But, you know, that's the everyone's got to navigate that water. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I try not to do now as a dog trainer. I try not to train friends, dogs, Mm because it's just, you know, or family pets. It's you know, it gets sticky. It It does. Yeah. Yeah, it gets a little hairy. Well, and you, no pun intended, and yet you, and you also, yeah, I know you have to deal with the way the people are training their dogs. Mm. And so that does get sticky. It's like, often it is about the human more than the dog. You're training the people mm-hmm. more than the dog in a way. So yeah. Yeah, I can see that it would get really sticky for you. Yeah. Or hairy. <laughs> or Harry, yes. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your universities. We kind of wrap everything up here. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. fascinated to hear about that. So I have six-figure pet business academy, and I started it in 2010 and actually started coaching pet business owners in the year 2000. So it's been over wow. 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. That's Thank amazing. you. Oh, yeah. I've thousands of pet business owners from all over the world. And um you know, it's interesting, even in coaching people from all over the world, there's so many similarities, no matter where you are in the world as a pet business owner, you know, a lot of it translates. And a lot of what we talked about today translates no matter where you're at in the world. So yeah, I offer business coaching, I have monthly webinars that I do, I have online courses. Um, One of my courses is how to start a pet sitting and dog walking business in seven days. So that's a brand new course that I am actually about to launch. Um, I've had exciting testers for it and uh, they have raved about it. So I'm, I feel great about it. It took me four months to create that course. And oh. it's a video course with um, 25 video modules and a workbook and um, will just help you start a business in seven days. And then I also have a catapult online program, which is for those who've been in the pet business world for a while that really want to take their business to the next level. And I have products. I have a business startup kit for pet sitters and dog walkers. And yeah, I love, love, love helping pet business owners. And I've written five books and I'm working on my sixth book, actually just finished the writing of my sixth book. So that amazing coming out in, uh, I think March of 2021. So in, 
in, in a couple months. A month and a half. Yeah, exactly. So it's exciting. So if any of our listeners are like dabbling yeah. and they're like, I'm going to maybe do it. Which one of your books would you say, pick this one up, read it and see if it's. Yeah. Right? So I would say 30 days to start and grow your pet sitting and dog walking business. It's not only starting, but it's growing. Mm. And that's for people who have been in business for a while that need to really expand. And it's also for people who are considering, they're like, do I want to do this? Um, it's a 30 day book and it's an audio book on audible. Um, and it's also on Amazon and paperback or Kindle version. Love that. Amazing. Kristen. I, it, it, hold on, I don't think it can wait, be wait. overstated enough. Let me just jump in. <laughs> He's here like, really quick. wait a this second. Is, yeah, yeah, this is I'm not done. <laughs> I feel really strongly about, um, I think so many of us go into this entrepreneurship and starting a business, um, Mm. Yes, you're going to have to figure out a lot of this on your own, but you need a mentor. Like you really need somebody to help you filter through good ideas and shiny objects. Mm, right? That's like, right. And I, that's like, I still, it. like I struggle, like the shiny mm -hmm. objects mm -hmm. are like my thing. And like, like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm going to try this now and I'm going to try this now. Uh -huh. And knowing like uh -huh. when something really isn't working versus you're just getting it wrong. Like yep. get a mentor, like get mm. somebody that can help you through some of this stuff. And especially if you're fortunate enough to find somebody like Kristen that's going to be in the niche that you want to specialize in, that it's invaluable for how fast you'll go from point A to point Z with somebody like that. So Yeah, it makes a difference. It doesn't have to be me. There are a lot of people out there. I would say pick the one that, that you resonate with because it is a working relationship and you mm. want someone that you yep. feel comfortable with, that you feel safe with, you know, that you can share that you trust you know and that doesn't happen immediately but it should happen over time you should feel that that trust and you want somebody that's super direct like not someone who's just fluffing you <laughs> fluffing you up you want like when i'm coaching people i am really like no that that don't do that you know <laughs> that's not going to help you because for me i want my coaching clients to see a difference in their work with yeah. me and in their businesses. And if they could do it on their own, they would have done it and it would have worked, but it's not working. So, you know, how can we look, do it differently? And there's something too about having another set of eyeballs on your business, yep. you know, and having somebody else who has vision, who has been there before that can kind of see what could work and what might not. And you want a coach too, if you're looking for one who is not like a cookie cutter um, coach who just does like a formula. You want somebody who's really objectively looking at your business and letting you know what, what will work and what won't. And in case you do want it to be Kristen, all of her links will be in the description That's of right. this episode, of course. Um, well, Kristen, this was such a pleasure. We had so much fun chatting with you today. Um, you are an inspiration and a new, you have a new fan in me for sure. Aww. Both of so, us. Yeah. <laughs> I can't it. wait to, uh, to hopefully meet up with you again and uh, love it. to dive in more to what you're doing. It's incredible. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for your time today. You're welcome. Thank you. 
I want to take a quick moment and thank Kristen once again for being with me and Jason today. Um, anything that we talked about today, any one of Kristen's books or her coaching program, including her seven-day intensive, can be found linked in the show notes and at thedogishpodcast.com. As always, make sure you're checking us out on social at the Dogish Podcast. You can also find me at Dog Up in This Bitch on Instagram, and you can find Jason at Forever USA. Uh, Kristen is at Pet Biz Coach on IG. Again, you'll find all of that. And if you're not already subscribed, you should be. So hit the subscribe button. And if there's a topic or personality that you want to hear on our show, please let us know. If there's something that's moving you, we want to move it with you. So until next time, I think that Jason has a joke for us. Dog Go ahead, joke. sir. All right. all right, do I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to crush this one. You ready? I'm so ready. I'm on, I'm on the edge of my chair. What do you what do you call a dog magician? A labracadabra door. <laughs> <laughs> that one was actually good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so good. Tune in next week for another dog next show. Week, if that's all the reason you're coming, <laughs> just come for that. <laughs> Bye. Bye.